0: Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm
1: Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower
0: underdogs. This week, we're going to talk about how to optimize a customer service team. And when you hear that, you might think it's about uh, sending template emails and using chatbots and other stuff that makes customer service worse. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I mean is... Um, every customer service person spends a certain amount of their time helping customers, but they also spend time on things that ultimately doesn't provide value to customers. So we're going to talk about ways to maximize the former, the value providing type of customer service and minimize the latter, the kind that's not really helping anybody. Uh, before we do that, let's give some updates on what we've been working on. Okay. What's been up this week, Rick?
1: Well, um, I had a really big moment yesterday. I don't know if you recall the... Uh, I had a moment in a board meeting recently where I lost my composure about four to five weeks ago mm-hmm. and it wasn't like bad, but it was embarrassing. It was, it was not, it wasn't like damaging to mate relationships. I'm, I'm good there, but it was definitely a moment of not me, not being my best leadership person. Um, so I, uh, I took it pretty hard. As you may recall, and I've had one-on-one meetings with every board member since, uh, including the other attendees there, and I've gotten some really good feedback. But last night, I had a conversation with with the final board member, and it uh, it brought to light a core thing that I think ha- is the root issue that was causing me troubles at pe- at people keeping same benefits, um, and you know if i can solve i will feel like i've addressed my uh my shortcomings uh, around leadership teams and emotions and so it was a big leap forward and i'd like to share that with you and just get your take mm-hmm. um so as you as you know like i left people keep and i reflected and the only regrets i had were moments of how i treated people specifically to accomplish short-term gains, in other words, like I wanted to get something done by a certain time, and in those moments, oftentimes instead of changing the you know the the deadline or resetting my own expectations, um, I would force it, and that would make people feel pretty bad, uh, whether I was aware of it or not. Sometimes I was, and I recovered, but that it it made work not fun for people. Mm-hmm. Now the situation was unique; we were in a lot of pain, but I could have, I know I could have handled the situation better and I regret how I handled it. So I've been exploring since I, one of the reasons I've been very cautious about working with other people since, uh, I left people keep is I wanted to work through this and get to some enlightenment so that I have confidence that I can, uh, progress, um, and not repeat the same mistakes. What I learned last night was, uh, and you probably will, will, will Say yeah, Rick. That's that's a problem. (laughs) But um, I when I have a um, warped sense of time. So, for example, I was three minutes late to this meeting. And uh, there's a proverb where, and I know this, but it really hit me that I don't really get this. But if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. And I have without realizing it sabotaged going together countless times in my life for going fast. Hmm. And this is, this is dating back to when I was in kindergarten. And I have not made the transition in adulthood to fully embrace sacrificing fast, you know, more times than not for going together and I don't know where like I know that my my core leadership challenge and team building challenge has to do with having a warped I'm calling it warped sense of time because I don't have a ton of clarity on what the actual like time problem is but when I see something that I believe I can get done if I were doing it by a certain date I don't I'm I I don't do a good job of Peeling that back and going, I could get that done alone by this date. But, th- you know, if we go together, if I want to do this to, to with a team, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's no way we're going to get done by that date. It's going to be a longer date. And being comfortable with the going together being more important, knowing when it's better to go together and miss and take as long as it takes versus it's existential it's time i need to go alone and catch people up i don't have a good you know decision framework or habits around making those calls in the moment and even like given time to process
0: yeah that that makes a lot of sense although it's probably worth clarifying, in the long run, you do go faster by going together, right? Like if it were as simple as that, you would just always go alone and you'd, you'd go faster and you'd get further. But I, if I understand how this kind of relates to you, it's like you can only do so many things yourself. T- 20 other things need to be done by other people, and you're evaluating each one of them as if you were doing it but you you can't, and so you need to accept other people doing all twenty of them fifty percent at the speed that you do, or something like that
1: yeah and, and it, it's it's really I think about having no expectation <laughs> like sure yeah uh, so i think um i think wh- what my my core reflection prior to this moment was my problem was how I deal with impatience so mm-hmm. and, and if you look at the definition of impatience, impatience is uh you know the cost of something becoming. Greater than what you expected, and having a reaction to that, you either reset your expectations or you try to shortcut the new information. I tend to shortcut; that's my default. Um, I I I practice getting it done versus, you know, by time versus getting it done necessarily like the 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 right way for a team, and uh, and and so most of my my work, uh, self improvement work, has been around reducing. Improving my response to impatience. And that played out in the meeting. Like my response to impatience was far less dramatic. It was still dramatic. Don't get me wrong. It was so emotional, but it was far less destructive than former reactions to impatience. But the trick is, I think my core thing is I've got to become less acceptable. I'm not, I've got to set myself up to not be so impatient with people. Right. And that has to do with a mindset around expectations.
0: Yeah. So rather than saying, I'm going to be impatient, but I'll handle it with Zen. Don't be impatient in the first place. Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, 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 something I admire about you is like it's tough to kind of look at yourself and realize these things. So that that's, uh, I'm, I, I, that sounds plausible given what I know about you. That that's kind of been at the core of stuff, and uh, it's good to have that figured out.
1: Yeah. So my, um, I, it's it's a problem. I'm awareness now in the problem phase. I don't fully know how to solve it, but. I have a sense of relief of moving on from people keep now, moving on from the blow up at the at the board meeting and and feeling like I can get significantly better at this. And I and and so my leadership emotions and 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 team building project I, I see that coming to, you know, rounding up by by July and uh yeah, gives me That's awesome.
0: it makes me feel like I can go work with people and not screw <laughs> screw it up. Just as we leave quarantine, you might be ready.
1: (laughs) Yes. So anyway, I know that was long-winded and somewhat therapeutic, but I'm proud. It was a big moment for me, and um, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. Uh, Let's see. I'll I'll be brief with the rest of my updates. So I did decide to spend some time prioritizing. um, Why leg up? I I am unable to. Succinctly communicate why leg up should be my main focus, why leg up should is important to me for the long term, what the core like reasons, w- what the core beliefs are that I hold that make leg up a big part of my life.
0: More so um, than the other ventures that you have going on. More so than like anything I haven't like
1: I am unable to communicate to Sable, for example. Or to my immediate friends, why I believe I should invest ten years, twenty years, a lifetime into leg up health. Um, I'm able to explain what phase one of the business and like the problem that I'm solving, but there's a larger why that I feel, but I can't. It's a it's a feeling, but it's not a log- logical explanation.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: need to trans. I need to start working on that. So I'm basically dedicating um, some time uh, to this in the mornings um, to think through so I can progress it. And that was, cool. that w- that's following up from our startup manifesto, um, mm-hmm. conversation because I left with the, just do the press release for the product. And I did that and it was extremely helpful. Um, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but I, I do think I need to write the first part, which is here are some core beliefs that I have about the world as it relates to leg up health and why leg up health, you know, exists. Um, and it isn't to go be a health insurance broker for workers who buy their own health insurance, that's, that's one thing that we'll do along the, 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 you know, that's one thing we will do, but it's not with the why. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put time into that. And then, um, I've refined, but, but the press release was such a good idea because once I started outlining that, I realized, oh my God, I'm trying to build a web application <laughs> and a web application is to be able to let the user self-serve everything. And what I realized was, oh my gosh, I am over-engineering this. This is much simpler than what I thought it's much more broad than I thought in terms of an M- MVP but it's much less uh, it's much shallower okay. so so um, you know I'm I'm looking at product development now as service automation workflow automation versus in uh, an awesome like just f- look and feel experience more so than web app development and I have oh my gosh I will what I will have to share next Thursday um, if I, you know, anticipate, you know, not, I don't expect on the time, but I, but I anticipate. <laughs> don't, don't get impatient be, here. <laughs> yeah. Being, uh, being able to share uh, is exciting and
0: uh, I will leave it at that for today. Cool. What about you? Um. Yeah. So well, the, the exciting stuff from you. Um. I'll start with this stuff. I, I know this is the third week in a row that like, you know, COVID-19 stuff is kind of uh, the topic for the listener who's bored of that. Don't worry, like the main deep dive will not be that. But um, I've been uh, kind of still in reaction mode to that, or maybe not. I'm trying to be more proactive than reactive, but I'm, I i don't want to be reactive in the future, meaning I want to do things now that will get me ahead of it. Um, one thing we started doing is we saw a lot of uh, people canceling, which I think a lot of SaaS businesses are seeing right now. So we've started, uh, we kind of have a new policy. We've always reached out to people. If if someone cancels and they're like, I just can't afford it, you know, something bad happened and I'm in hard times and I can't afford it. We've always reached out and been like, how about we give you another six months and hopefully that's enough time to get on your feet. Um, We've significantly loosened up the policy on that where basically if anyone has any indication when they cancel or that they're about to cancel that they would use us if it were free, we just make it free for them basically. Um, I think this is really good for a lot of reasons. One is, you know, employees at less knowing serum are everyone in the world's kind of freaking out right now. It's really nice to have a human, a positive human experience with someone else. And, uh, the type of feedback we get when we do this is just like amazing. Like people are like literally telling us they're crying about the generosity and stuff like that. I also just think it's good business. Like these people were going to stop paying us anyway. And now hopefully when the, re- assuming there is a recession, when that ends, um they're not all gonna come back and pay, but I mm-hmm. think we're probably like I, I don't know fifty percent seventy five percent will will end up paying us versus them all leaving is is uh is this a sizable portion of your customer base you said a lot um not yet I mean we just started it a, a few days ago I'd say so far maybe five to ten accounts per day are canceling which, oh, which you know we we have ten thousand total so it's yeah. not huge um but I is it something yeah good no i'm sorry i interrupted you well kind of my next update was going to be about like thinking about how bad could this get and so it's not terrible yet but i think it could get a lot worse basically
1: i'm wondering if there is a specific industry segment that you're seeing that is doing this or if it's you know representative of the of the broad population
0: Yeah, right now it's just anecdotal because we probably don't have enough data, but I've kind of been peeking at this and a lot, I'd say it's pretty broad, but it's like skewed towards travel agents who I've talked about a lot on this podcast. They're really likely to cancel. And we're actually giving travel agents 12 months instead of six. Um, And like, for example, someone today was a, uh, like they sell to, I guess like trade show, they, they do some kind of service for trade shows. So, you know, there's no trade shows right now. So there, it does seem to skew more towards that. But my my expectation is that even if COVID-19 was cured tomorrow and it was completely a non-issue, I think that the way recessions happen is there's kind of like an initial thing, but then there's like a kind of domino effect uh, situation. I suspect a lot of industries that aren't directly impacted by the virus will be as a second or third order effect impacted by, well, they sold to people who are impacted by the virus or I I kind of expect the whole economy to be feeling this before too long. Yep. That makes sense. Um, Do you worry when you're
1: giving away the product for free for 12 months to one user that other people don't find, like, I guess, discover that. I mean, potentially if, if your users play the game the right way, they could all just, you know, beef using your revenue could go to zero if you offer yeah. to everyone.
0: Right. So, and it's for that. I actually wish we could make it go to zero. Like it, it, I wish we had enough cash in the bank to just say it's free for everybody and not like, I don't believe in means testing really where it's like, if if you're going to give a benefit, just give it to everybody and don't try to say, well, these people get it and these people don't. Uh, we just can't afford that. So it's kind of an honor system here that hopefully people aren't lying to us and only people who need it are actually going to take us up on this. But and you're, and you're
1: and you're trusting your your users to to do the right thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Having said that, they are cancel like they're canceling. So it's true. If if word got out and they all knew, all I have to do is cancel and I'll get a free six months. That would be a problem, but. Right now, it's like, it would be a hell of a bluff on their part to cancel their account, hoping we do this, you know? Mm. Yep. Um, and then on the topic of kind of how bad could this get, like, I, I'm not going to pretend to know. I have no idea. But I have seen some things in the last week that before I was not, I, I was taking this seriously in that, like, I think there will be a recession and stuff, but I wasn't taking it seriously enough in what will happen to less annoying CRM. I was like, maybe we won't grow this year. Um, And I have read read more articles. Basically, I devoted myself this last week to just reading what everyone's saying and and getting advice and talking to people about it. Um, The thing that really kicked me into gear was, I don't know why this particular video, but some video from a venture capitalist was just like, you need to prepare for a 33% drop in recurring revenue, a 100% drop in all non-recurring revenue. We don't have any of that, but um, for 18 months and what does that do to I, your financial model uh it's bad i mean it um so that's what i've been running through and i actually have a presentation for the company tomorrow we're going to go through all that but um what i've done is i am i'm, I'm sh- so i went through and i said what are all the things we can cut cost wise to uh like that won't hurt too bad that's reversible so like if this is an overreaction we can just undo it and we're fine we're going to do all that immediately um, which I think will seem kind of preemptive relative to like a lot of people aren't worried about this as much yet. Um, then I'm going to in the presentation say, what if it's a 33% or a 50% drop? Um, if that's the case, it's like really going to hurt, but no layoffs, um, which is I think the most important thing. And everyone will still be making well above a living wage. It's just about everyone kind of taking a haircut on it.
1: Cool. Um, that'll freak your team out.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to strike the right balance of like, I want everyone to feel the severity and the seriousness of the situation without feeling unsafe. I want to be like, you will not get laid off, but you you need to sacrifice with the rest of us here.
1: Uh, the, best, the best tone of leadership that I've seen on this, I retweeted it today. It's uh, the Marriott guy. CEO, his name's Arn, I think you might want to just read watch his six minute speech. Uh it's, I think there's some word language and tone that you could, uh, that you could, uh,
0: mimic that could help. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I've seen people link to that and I didn't click through to it. So I'll, I'll go do that. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a, uh,
0: it's, it's well done. You're not quite where he is, but
1: I think, uh, he's a good model. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, and then I'll, I realize we're kind of getting late on time here, but um, I, I want to give a couple updates that are non you know pandemic related. One is we had a nice thing we had been um, our site had been going down every morning or like three mornings a week uh, at eight forty three a.m. every day uh, for for a while. It, it went down and came immediately back up, and we had no idea what was going on. We couldn't figure it out. Eventually, we figured out we were ddosing ourselves. What, you have um, to remind
1: me what DDoSing is.
0: Yeah. So a DOS is a denial of service, which is basically just hitting a website so many times that it goes down. Uh, a distributed denial. DDoS means distributed, meaning it's coming from multiple different places. Um, anyway, I guess you could argue whether the first D applies. But basically what we were doing is our uh, email automation tool, Drip, was set I, to... S- you were iDOSing. iDOSing. What's the internal internally. Internal, internally. Internally. Yeah. <laughs> we were iDOSing ourselves our, uh, our we, we figured out our email. Well, what happened is I signed up for a free trial account um, just to test something out. And I noticed that I got a drip, e- an onboarding email from us at the exact time I got our downtime notification. And I was like, well, that's that's a coincidence. It turns out we were sending so many onboarding emails and we logged them all in our own internal CRM. And we are like a way heavier user of lessening CRM than any of our customers are. We're just like a much bigger company in terms of the amount of data we have all these emails uh, logging at the same time. We're just taking our site down. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we, we fixed that. That's not happening anymore, but I thought that was fun. <laughs> was this happening all
1: along? It just wasn't load enough to bring you down or is this a, re- a bug that was introduced recently?
0: No. Yeah, it's been happening all along and especially what ends up happening. It was, it was worst on Mondays because we don't send these on weekends. So it would like build up and we'd get three times as many on a Monday. And that way, but, but the site came right back up. So it was never like a huge issue. It was just like, what's going on here? Why is our site crashing for a second? Yeah. And like, literally it was a second. It wasn't like five minutes restarting the server. It was like one second of
1: downtime. And do you have monitoring set up so that you get notified when that happens? Or did someone actually realize it?
0: No. Yeah. We have monitoring that like blows up my phone and Bracken's phone. So we, we definitely notice. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I have another thing here, but we're running, I've taken up enough time, so I'll save that for next week. Cool. Um, so let's dive into the the deep dive here. So uh, this feels a little strange. This is a topic we came up with before, you know, the pandemic and the whole world set on fire. So it's a little silly to think about this now, but, you know, there's a sense of normalcy here. So what we're going to talk about is um, basically how to optimize a customer service team. And this is specifically going to be the less annoying CRM, we call them CRM coaches, Uh When you hear like optimizing that, you might, you could think different things. What a lot of companies would mean by that is how do we reduce the number of employees we need? How do we, you know, make it so like customers have to go through some kind of complicated phone tree before they talk to anyone? Basically, all these things that make customer service worse. Um, That is not what I'm talking about here. But the situation is we have eight CRM coaches now, which obviously grew over time. And when you have like one person doing something, automating something or like just working on process improvements takes a lot of time. And the benefit for one employee probably doesn't make up for the amount of time it takes to do it. It's better to just be like, go be a human, do whatever seems right. We're not going to processize this yet. As we've grown the team, I'm looking at it and I'm like, eight people all having this little inefficiency or something like that, that can really add up. And it might be worth the time investment of stepping back and saying, like, are we actually doing things right? We know that the outcomes are good. Customers are very, very happy. If you look at like G2 or Capterra, we have the highest rated customer service in the industry. But so what I want to do is maintain the quality, potentially increase it, but mostly maintain the quality. But just figure out the low impact things that people are doing. The things that take time, but are not providing any value to customers at all, really.
1: What, uh... Like, how do you know? How will you know while you're working on that that you're not sacrificing quality? Do you have some sort of metrics that you use to gauge quality?
0: Um, no, that's. I mean, that's one thing we could potentially talk about here. I'm. I'm always a little nervous about that because I think one of the ways we've managed to have good quality is. It as soon as you start measuring stuff, it's tempting to be like, "Well, now we're going to evaluate the CRM coaches on this thing," or. Even if we're not evaluating them, even if it has nothing to do with their raises, if they are aware that we're measuring, like, what's the metric? How many emails per day they're sending or whatever it is? I'm, I'm kind of nervous about getting too quantified here, but I really well, I, I need to compromise.
1: Yeah, well, it feels like if you're trying to improve uh, your service, you're trying to optim- you know, improve the efficiency of your service without sacrificing quality. You're going to need sort of a monitoring system, sort of like you had for your DDoS attack that says, oops, you know, hey, the service, um, you know, may be compromised, look into this.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And so, okay, so we have NPS, that's one thing, but that that pulls in a lot more than just customer service. I, I do, so I think you're probably right, and I need to push myself outside my comfort zone here, but I, just f- for other people listening, I do think like, you're allowed to use personal observation here. That, as the company scales, you can't, because if you have a thousand person team, like who's the person observing this? But I do personally know every person on the team, and I really do trust them to come to me and say this is worse for customers. They're unhappy. I can tell.
1: So it sounds like you're small enough, and you have a system in place that's sort of verbal communication, uh, and you know, inter- some sort of in, you know internal benchmarks of what good customer service is that
0: people say we're red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're not we're not meeting our standards,
1: <laughs> and that that's your monitoring system
0: yeah I think our long-term customers would say this used to be better, and even more than that, I think our CRM coaches, if I ask them to do something and they detect that it's not helping, they're going to be like, "This is bullshit, I'm not doing this. Okay.
1: So yeah, so it sounds like you need to maintain, make it clear to maintain those standards, and you more than ever actually you need people to voice concerns and uh, you know potential like learnings that they're having as they're making changes.
0: Yeah. So right off the bat, that's already going to be one takeaway is like whatever, anytime we make a change here, and we're we're always making changes with the support team, but we need to make it more explicit, communicate to the team, probably even give them an official channel to say like, this is what you do if you detect that one of the changes we make reduces the quality.
1: Yep, that makes sense. Um, I, I have a couple of questions, but I don't want to like pigeonhole us.
0: No, probably let's go after your questions. The reality is this is a big topic. We are absolutely not going to get to the bottom of it in this discussion. So I'm mostly just trying to like move the ball forward a little bit, Um, whichever direction that happens to go. And I'm fine with
1: what sort of. Uh, so where I would start with something like this is I'd want to understand without putting too much pressure on the CRM coaches in terms of reporting. But like, where is time going right now? And start you know, breaking down the actual tasks and bucketing them into Mm -hmm. a couple of different categories. Have you done
0: that? Um, we, we have a pretty good sense of the high level stuff because so Michael, who's the kind of manager of the CRM coaching team, he sets a schedule for everybody and he's very, this is a very manual process. Like a lot of this could probably be automated on his end, but he's doing things like, you know, so many people need to be on phones, meaning inbound phone calls. So many people need to be on email. So many people need to be, uh, scheduled for demos. So we have a good sense of like the big high level buckets. I'm not sure I have a good sense within that someone who's on email support. Like what are the, what are the top five things taking up time on that? I don't think we've gotten to that level of detail.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: Um, well, what are the things like,
1: do you know what things you need to, what you like, do you have a, do you have a things, the, the tasks that you think are low value, a list of tasks that you think are low value?
0: Yes. Um, Now, this is a sign of like the company getting a little bit bigger. It's weird that this is all me asking other people. In the past, I would have been like, well, I'm doing enough customer calls to know this, but I have kind of surveyed the CRM coaches a little bit. Um, I don't think we've exhausted this. Like, I think I need to ask them more, but a few things that came up. um, One thing is we do imports for our customers Uh, like if they have a spreadsheet of data and they want it into the system, we'll do it for them. Um, this is meant mostly for onboarding, but we have some customers who are like, you know, I get a list of leads from my agency every week and I, I didn't even realize this was happening. I I was on weekend support the other day and one of these came into me and I looked at them I'm like, we've, this is like the 90th file we've imported for this account. (laughs) Um, and it would actually be faster for them to do it themselves. It's literally like four clicks, uh, for them to do it. So that's one thing. Um, one thing that came up is there are some customers that are just like needy in an unproductive way. So, someone who's untech savvy and is just like they really need their handheld, but if we are patient and we work with them, at the end of it, they're like, I would have never been able to use any other CRM and now I'm using you successfully. That's fine. We'll put 10 hours on a, a $10 a month customer into that if we need to. But there are some customers who are just like, I'm going to complain about stuff. I just need to be heard. I'm going to squawk about stuff. It's never constructive. Being able to shut down those conversations. That's one thing I kind of had a question for you on is like, what do we, we can, t- on our end, we can tell these conversations aren't going anywhere, but they still take like another back and forth and back and forth before it's over. Um. Anyway, I, I, I've i got a handful of others, but maybe I'll stop talking so you can react to those. Yeah. So
1: I, I see two buckets developing. One is, um, well, there's a theme of like your, your coaches are only needed for the people who don't self-serve, right? And so mm-hmm. some percentage of your users are probably self-serving and never talking to a coach. So right away, like that's not even an issue for your coaches, right? So then you've got another group of users who um, are more needy and they' you know maybe different segments of neediness. but what I'm hearing is there's sort of onboarding service tasks to get the person to a point of like the CRM works. And then there's ongoing tasks, ongoing support tasks. And it feels like you don't really want to touch the onboarding tasks because that's part of what makes you unique is helping anyone get to a productive CRM. And you want to first tackle the post-onboarding supporting neediness and reducing that.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's reasonable. Let me push back a little bit on the first part, which is I, for someone who will ultimately use less annoying CRM, I don't want to reduce that. There's probably a lot of savings to be had in like, for example, if we could qualify somebody earlier, um, I I think it's not uncommon for us to give the full service onboarding to someone and then find out they're not a good fit, which isn't good for anyone. Again, like I don't want to not talk to someone who wants to talk to us, but if we could have said this is a waste of both of our times, that'd be a good thing to cut.
1: Okay, so that would put that not in onboarding. I'd I'd put that in pre onboarding qualification. So it's sort of like, hey, uh, you know, maybe that doesn't work for you. But like, I, I it feels like that's something like before you set, it, you know, before you go and enter our, our setup and onboarding process. Let's um, disqualify you if we can.
0: Yeah. So the the hard thing is let's let's dive into this a little. I think that's a good point. The hard thing is the first part of our process is almost always self serve. So it's true that some people might call us up and be like, let me talk to the sales rep. I want to be sold, but that's pretty rare. Mostly they sign up for a free trial. They get one of our onboarding emails. All the onboarding emails are like, give us a call. Let's talk. And so they're kind of already in the onboarding flow, even if they should have never gotten in there, they're already in there. And that's when we talk to them. What do you think we do to qualify? Do we qualify them in the self-service step or what do you think there? I feel like this
1: is really hard. um, And, potentially damaging to your signups right now so this is probably not where I would spend a lot of time first mm-hmm. uh, but to answer your question I think uh, I don't know I would analyze the people I would look at the data that says like here're the people who weren't qualified what are the commonalities that they that you know that they have that we found out after the fact how could we screen for like how could we ask these questions and try to help them come to the conclusion how, how can we send them down a, a path during onboarding that helps them? you know, screen, screen themselves, screen them screen that maybe they should go somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess we could also, yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe a problem for them. Like it would be good for them to screen out before, like at the very beginning, it doesn't matter to us until they get on the phone with us. Um,
1: what are the, do you, do you know the reasons that people aren't, what are the reasons that people get through? What are the surprises that, that happened post, uh, the, during that call that makes someone go, man, I just wasted my time. What do they learn? Yeah,
0: it's, it's mostly, I mean, we're a very feature poor product. Like we're, we're all about simplicity and it's normally, it comes down to, I need this feature and we, we can just be like, well, yeah, we don't have that feature. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> like in a friendly way, these are normally like good calls and it's actually kind of a good, um, referral engine for us that in many of the cases with these calls will be like, you know, uh, nimble ha- nimble really specializes in that. You should go check out nimble CRM and they'll be like, Oh, I've been searching for months and no one told me that. Like, th- thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's not like a bad experience. It's just like, we don't really need to be having those conversations.
1: What percentage of onboardings calls go this way?
0: Um, I'm probably not the right person to answer that, but I'd say more than 10%. I'd say about 10%, let's say.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's sizable. Um, If you could cut those in half, that's that's a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's two costs here. One is like, in some cases, you don't find that out until the end of the call, which probably we could do better about. Um, In some cases... You find that out immediately, but it's like, we just blocked off an hour of a CRM coach's time and didn't give a demo to another person. So one thing, like one way to approach this whole problem is cut stuff we're doing. Another way to approach it is to say, I know you said earlier, like if people are doing self-service, we don't need to worry about them. One argument could be, well, let's identify which of those people are trying to do self-service and they're not going to pay us at the end. Maybe we should be trying to have more calls with those people, for example. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know how to identify who those people are. We, we can't have calls with everybody. Like it would break the, the business model, but
1: yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like onboarding is not where I would start here because it's, it's it as many, um, it's a, it's a domino that could cause, mm-hmm. it's much harder to improve without consequent un- unintended consequences. So I, I would start sort of at the back of your process and go to, okay what's the furthest along a client gets and they're still being needy? How do we, um, and they're still not self-serving unless Mm -hmm. something blows up. Like how do we reduce those? And I'd work up, up, up the funnel from there.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um, especially because as our customer base gets bigger, but our relative growth rate gets smaller, which happens to almost every business over time. um, there's more and more impact in reducing the support from our current customer base than new signups. So I think that, yeah, uh, and I, also the the unintended consequences thing I think is a great point. So okay, we we look around and we part of this has got to be surveying CRM coaches and just saying, tell me all the things you're spending time on. Is that what you would do next? Yeah, I'd really liked. I'd, I'd want the.
1: I probably. So this is this may be different for you f- than how I would want to handle it. I'd want to make. I would want to get all the CRM coaches bought into it's important to understand where our time's going um, and, and to analyze that so that we can uh, tackle, spend our time reducing the most impactful, you know, the, the most focus on the right things. Because um, uh, so I, I would try to, I would spend some time getting the team working together to identify the top five, types of calls that, you know, people that that they're having and, and get, once I got there, I would start tackling those five, um, and in order, or maybe you can break into teams and tackle them separately. That's how I, I I wouldn't go overboard. I would just get to like, Hey, like, let's get some, let's, let's identify five core things that fit within this theme that are. Re, like we're the, uh, we're spending enough time on right now that if we could make a dent into it, it's
0: meaningful. Yeah. So it's not the five things we're spending the most time on. It's the five things we're spending the most time on relative to the what we think the value the customer is getting out of it is. Probably. And it and it's actually the delta between the value the customer would get self serving versus the value they get talking to us.
1: Yes, and. I would, add, this is probably not what you would think, but like the, if it was my business, I would start thinking about like, is this on a unit basis sustainable? Like, mm-hmm. like I would try to, I like- mean,
0: it is like we're 10 years old at this point. It's, it's sustainable to a point, but like we would like our margins to be better. So it's, if we set like we, we need to like one of, one of the main metrics we're looking for is uh revenue per employee, not, not related to this project specifically, but as a company, Revenue per employee is the number we want to have go up, which ultimately means we need each CRM coach to be able to serve more customers. Yep. You need Um, to increase your CRM capacity, coach capacity. Which the theory here is that can be done without reducing quality because there's this waste happening right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you can increase self-serve on things, that that should make people happier. um, And it should uh, reduce your... That, that should have like a, a, an increasing quality effect and a decreasing cost effect.
0: Yeah. So I know you said not to mess with onboarding, but one thing I'm interested in here, um, some of the, so we try to do these demo calls with, with new customers to help them go, like get started. The good ones are all about stuff specific to the customer where they're like I know how the product works generically like we have this beginners guide that walks through all the features and stuff and but they're like how do what well, like how should I set my pipelines up for my business or I have this unique permissions model how should I get this set up the best demos we go in and like at the end of the call they have implemented all of the customization they need within their account that's the best case the worst case is they're like just give me the generic demo and we're like well you you could have watched the beginners guide it, it'll actually be better cuz like we produced that it's like scripted it's really really optimized for fast and concise and good um do you have any you're probably this is like a question with no answer but do you have any thoughts on things we could try to um get as many of the good demos and as few of the bad demos
1: yeah i mean the only way to do that is to ask more questions and to uh provide more information on who you are for. So uh, if you can somehow identify, it goes back to like, who are the people that are good? What do they have in common? Who are the people that are bad? What do they have in common? And attempting to, through the onboarding, you know, uh, steps, triage those into separate paths that optimize each one. And I, but, but I, that's, that's what I would do. I, I would just like analyze that and go, okay, like bad customers are ones who are looking for this feature um, and somehow figure out how to identify up front that that feature doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I, I,
0: Is there any way to do that besides just like when they're asking for the demo, having a bunch of questions for them to answer?
1: Well, you can do it on your website. You could add more information on like who you could add. I don't know what people what the normal flow is for your website. Do people click on the product page and then click on free trial, or do they go straight to free trial? Is there?
0: It's a mixture, but uh, pricing is I think the number one page people hit, and the product tour is probably number two.
1: Is there anywhere in your onboarding flow that you say, before we waste your time, and you you know you waste stars, but you wouldn't say that, but before we waste your time, like do you, you know, here's who less annoying CRM before here are the popular use cases. If you have a, a separate use case email us to or here are some FAQs mm. that you might find helpful. Like you can make it about use cases and you know here's who we are for, make it very clear that all your good ones are included in that. And then here's, you know, here's where we are if you if you aren't on this list, maybe you don't say here's it's dangerous to go and say stuff like here's who we are not for because people can misinterpret that and yeah. that's dangerous, but maybe you could say like don't see your use case? Pop us an email.
0: Yeah. That may yeah. I'm, I'm thinking also, as you, as you say that, like in addition to surveying customers on, or uh, CRM coaches on what they're spending time on, I should probably say, what are, what are the main reasons a call ends up being worthless? Um, and then, and then we can work backwards from there and say, well, uh, some of them probably we could have never told if they're just like, they use constant contact. We integrate with MailChimp. Well, actually we could do something about that, but like some of them we won't be able to, some of them will be able to say, well, let's just ask the question when they start, when they either sign up for the product or whatever. I
1: love, I love just starting with this as a, let's really get on the same page with what the root causes are for bad cause, uh, bad calls. And if you can, if you know, some of those, maybe you can just solve with a new feature. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so like it's a, th- there's, th- that opens up like all kinds of what I did, that identifies all the problems and doesn't, pigeonhole you into a specific solution for each one. And you can sort of tackle one at a time with different, with different solutions. Some of this is just going to be education and expectation setting with customers post onboarding that, Hey, like and training your reps to be able to, you know, our goal is to help you do this by yourself. So you don't have to call us. Um, and- yeah.
0: Yeah. I could imagine some, some places in the, the, there's, there is a whole, you're referring to onboarding flow. There is a flow, but it's almost all like, It's basically you sign up. There's a beginner's guide, and then you're using the product. There, there aren't like multiple forms and touch points. The main point we have to say stop, give us information is when they sign up for the call. We use a pointlet, which is similar to Calendly. Um, We can kind of we have a form that they can answer. I, I feel like that's probably a good point to identify. Let's add two or three things here. Can that I are tell a you? little gate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. I would definitely do that um, or try it and see what happens. I just went re- recently research a ton of CRMs. So um, what was the most frustrating part is I had to sign up and like play around with the product with just about all of them. I, I looked at about 10 to see if they met my use case. And no, there was like no easy way to like go to a place and say and find out if this would work for me. Um, I had to like look at the pricing page and go through the different features that they had, play around with this. And oftentimes I had to get all the way through onboarding to a place where my question still wasn't answered and then chat someone to get the answer. And that was really annoying.
0: Sorry, can I dive into that real quick? Yes. Um, Yeah.
1: So I'm telling you that because I think it might
0: be relevant. Why like why didn't you just chat with them at the beginning? I don't want to talk to them. Okay. so you want it to be self-service. Nothing that involves talking to someone is going to satisfy you here. Um,
1: Unless they're like super competent and super fast response rate. But like, that's not the experience I've gotten from CRMs. They're usually like,
0: we'll reply in a few hours. It's like, I I can't. And even if they are like that, you wouldn't know that in advance. You'll go into it assuming they're not like that. Exactly. And Um, I don't want to get on the
1: phone. I'm sorry. I do not want to get
0: on the phone. Same. Uh, Okay. So what would, like you said you go to the feature page. Like how does, why doesn't that answer your problems?
1: Because it's, um, so most, I think feature, most of these pages are, are, if you look, if you go to a CRM website, most of the pages are geared towards driving to a conversion. They're not geared towards helping someone make a decision. So, uh, you know, it's either a free trial sign up form or it's a request a demo. If it's a request a demo, I just immediately disqualify them because I know that that's not who I want to deal with. That's going to be high price. Uh, out of my coverage zone, but so I'm looking at mostly free trial things. I, I find that websites are are not really focused on providing enough information for you to purchase in that scenario, but enough information for you to take the step in free trial. And that, by definition, is a it's annoying because mm-hmm. it it forces me to go through a process to answer my question um, and discover what's possible. And these are complicated situations. It's not like it's one question. It's a layer of questions, like. Will this work? Will that work? How will I do handle this situation? Um, so maybe there's no solution to this, but I found that I had to like go through the free trial each time and uh, like I sometimes I could disqualify based on the features, but oftentimes people aren't saying, hey, we don't do this.'re they're, they're just not saying that they do it. So you right. you can't just assume that they don't do it because they don't have it listed on their feature page.
0: So we do have one thing that I think would help with this a decent amount, which is you don't have to sign up and go through the onboarding flow to use the product. You can just click a link and you're into a demo account with demo data. Um, I I realize in some cases, it's still hard to tell, does it do what I need? But that might help in some. What would the... Can you just say for your specific use case, like what would the landing page say or not the landing page but what you get to whatever the right page is on the website what would it say to be, do exactly what you want here
1: uh, honestly what what i
0: wanted to find
1: if what i wanted someone to acknowledge was hey it takes time to figure out if this will work for you let us help you shortcut that you know here's uh, click this you know email us with what you are trying to accomplish i wouldn't say schedule a call i'd say hey we have We don't want to, you know, if we can help you evaluate less annoying serum faster, you know, here's some frequently asked questions that we have, and you could populate those with the questions that go for good people and for bad people um, that might be helpful to you. But if you don't see your question here, email us and we will help you quickly evaluate. You know, we'll respond quickly to help you evaluate whether
0: less annoying serum is worthy of investing your time. That would have been really helpful to me. So, we have like we plaster links to our contact page all over the place. Um, That where you can email us or send a contact form or call, whatever you prefer. Uh, Would that work? Are you saying specifically the language of like, we will help you decide if this is right for you? There's a
1: difference between contact us and, you know, I think there's like general, that's great, contact us. But the use, the the thing I was trying to figure out is, does less annoying CRM work for me? And uh, if I could have, Anything you can do to help me self-evaluate that, and then if I can't find my answer, provide a way for me to get more information, Um, that's great. That's what I wanted. Um, The alternative is what I had to do with all these companies, and it sounds like what your customers have to do is go play around with the product and figure it out. Um, or call someone. Well,
0: I'm still unsure though. So back to the question of yeah. what would their, like I asked the question, what would the website have had to say to communicate this to you? You said like, let me email them, but you're saying you don't want to email them. So what would the page actually have said for you specifically? He, here I,
1: are here are the common questions people have when trying to decide if less annoying serum is a good fit for their use case and their, their company and their use cases. And then you have a right. list of 50 FAQs or, that are based on all the calls that you've had or whatever they are.
0: Uh I, I like that and, a lot but yeah, specifically and, if they built it for Rick Linquist, hey it says yeah. hey Rick. Yes. You are running Legup Health. Here's the information you want. What would you see on that page?
1: Oh, you want to know about my use cases.
0: Yes, yes. Ah, got it. Okay, so um
1: one was uh, they had to have a Zapier integration. They had to um I would love it if they made it easy for me to uh uh log um thir- you know, third party Native integrations, like without Zapier with some of the other tools that I'm using. Um, let's see what else. I don't want certain, I want to be able to customize pipelines um, based on uh, custom objects. So with, with I don't want there to be one user with one record. I don't know how to express this in another way, but like I need to be able to have multi like reference fields. So like there, one object could be, one, a user could have multiple objects of another object, like in my case, policies, Mm -hmm. a lot of these CRMs have like the concept of they either have one of your product or, you know, zero of your product, the concept of, you know, multiple objects. Yeah. So that, those
0: are the main things um, that I was running into. Cool. Thanks. So for anyone listening, let's back up for a second. That might've seemed like really weirdly specific to what we're doing here. Although I do think there's some, some value here just generally, this is a SaaS buyer talking about what a SaaS website should have. Like obviously the average listener is not making a CRM product, but I I think probably that same type of feedback could apply to anyone. Right.
1: Yep. So I guess I, I mean, that's, that answers your question, but um, I, I, I like, I feels like your next step is I'll ask
0: you like, what are you taking away from this? Is there anything else that's muddy for you? um, I I think like getting more information from CRM coaches, which uh, I'm kind of embarrassed. That sounds obvious, but I'd already done that a little bit, but I think I rushed to saying, Okay, I've talked to people, I've gotten their ideas, Um, now it's time for me to take action. In particular, I think... Yeah, go ahead. On the ideas, are they ideas on solutions or are they problems? Right, that's exactly what I was going to say next is I've I've, I've asked a few questions about problems, but mostly it's hinting at what I think the solution will be. So it's kind of like, I want to reduce... This thing, can you give me examples of these things? So, which is kind of asking about the problem. But what I should be doing is saying, um, just what, what are the five most common this? What are the five most common that? Tell me about what you did yesterday. And then not give it's basically the mom test, but internal, like not give them any hints about what I'm trying to hear.
1: Yes. And yes, I think that will go a long way. And you will, I think the whole team will, will, will expose the top thing that you should be working on.
0: Yeah. What about as another step, have you ever done anything, and we, we can wrap this up pretty soon, but have you ever done anything, There, there's asking people about what happened in the past. There's also putting logging in place to say, you know, anytime this thing happens, enter it in this spreadsheet or something like that.
1: Yeah. First you've got to identify, the, I don't know how good um, your team is currently about saying, hey, there's a root problem. I'm doing this, but it's it's caused by a bigger problem that I'm, a, I'm. I've deduced, and reporting that to someone and saying something. If if you aren't already doing that, reporting isn't where you start. You start with training around how to do that, and then you start with like a very simple spreadsheet or something that says, "Hey, I. You know, here's here's the symptom. I. You know, I. I experienced. Here's my hypothesis around the root problem. Um, here's how often these symptoms are happening um, as a result of this root problem. And you might find that there are different symptoms that are that are. Trailing back to the same root problem, but root cause analysis is the term for this in customer service. Mm -hmm. And if you're if you don't have systems, not systems, but like train, like if if this is if root cause analysis is not a priority for your customer service team, um, that would be like my first thing is like let's talk about root cause analysis. Let's talk about why it's important for our initiatives. And I would just train on that and provide a way for the people to report and collaborate around those those learnings and then start, you know, once you have a list of things that you believe are, you know, the root causes, then you start tackling those root causes together as a company.
0: Okay. Okay. So that, that makes sense. I I guess I was talking maybe a step before that, which is like not asking people to fill out a spreadsheet saying what the problem is, but saying like, fill out a spreadsheet just about your behavior, about the experiences you're having. So like, Every time someone does a call with a customer, we could we could say was it a good one or a bad one? Um, it, you know what were there the things they wanted that we don't have like whatever? Uh, collecting data in one way or another about that.
1: I assumed you're already doing
0: that. Oh no, we're not. Okay, I mean yeah. we, we're we're anecdotally we talk about it and all that, but we we don't like collect it as structured data. Yeah i
1: i I go back and forth on terms of logging calls and like being super micromanaging on that between like hey. Did we learn, like, is there something, is there a pro, did we experience a problem with this call? Right. Did something go really well with this call? Like share those. But like, if it's just, if it's just a call, like, and there's nothing, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Nothing crazy. Like, I don't think we'd keep doing this long-term either way. mm -hmm. I, people, I think people can accept, like, you're going to turn the job into a miserable experience. And one way to have bad customer service is to make it not fun to do the job. Um, but i think people can accept for the next month we're going to be in data collection mode and then we'll stop and you don't have to do that anymore
1: yeah and the question to ask here is did this call need to happen hmm. um, like did it need to happen and uh and if not why not and if 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 it and did it need if it did need to happen why like and that that i think analysis by each individual on each call um could just be a good reflective, like what you're really asking them to do is start reflecting on each call and whether or not it's a good use of time. And if it's, if it's not, let's talk about it.
0: Cool. So yeah, I think this was a helpful conversation. Um, as I kind of said at the beginning, like we definitely didn't totally answer the question. There's no way you could in an hour, but I think with this type of thing, this is a ongoing, like it's never solved. Every company should constantly be asking this question and iterating and getting better and better and better. So this gives us a handful of things to go try and then six months or 12 months, whenever we'll we'll come, loop back around and come up with more ideas.
1: The thing that I wanted to do at PeopleKeep um, was have the customer service team be like part of their job being like identifying these and queuing them up and, yeah. and, 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 uh, and really being a part of the product development team in terms of help in understanding these situations. Um, that's a, that's a big ask, uh, in addition to asking for customer service. I'm not sure I would try to do that again, but for the people who embraced it, it, it made the job much more exciting.
0: That makes sense because there is like a monotony to CRM coaching that we have really smart, talented people who in the, for the first year or two or three, it's really challenging and they're learning a lot. And then there does hit a point where it's like, you know, the answers to all these questions. What What's the next challenge? And that is an interesting way to try to keep them, maybe the whole team's not doing it, but it's like, you've hit that point where you're a little bored with it. Let's move you up to, you know, senior CRM coach who's doing the root cause analysis stuff. I like that. Cool. Cool. Um, All right. Well, thanks for all your thoughts on this. Um, You want to sign us off here? You will do. Um, Hey,
1: everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice, because reviews play a huge part in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. I'll see you next week, Tyler. See you.